0: I was really looking forward to seeing who Steve was going to pick to do that reading. I I thought, I wonder if anybody looks these readings up before they come along. If they do, they're going to be coming in the back door or assiduously avoiding Steve's gaze. (laughs) Anyway... So, an interesting passage, and uh, I won't be focusing on all of those characters that uh, are in that genealogy, but wasn't it interesting that there are, there are some names that probably leapt out that you, oh yeah, know them, know them, know them, don't know Ur, um, don't know Kenan so well, but amongst all the, the great sort of biblical heroes and those biblical kind of people that are there, but just as a name, we know nothing more about them, they were all part of the purpose of God. They all formed that that chain, right from the start, right from Adam. The plan was there, leading to Jesus, that God knows exactly what he's doing. Jesus is not coming here to to rescue things at the end with plan B. That right from day one, God knew, God planned, God chose, and God did all the way through. So, So for us, we may feel quite obscure, but actually... We play a part in the purposes of God if we place ourselves in his way So I just want to kind of pick up from where the story started because the story picks up in Luke 3 uh, with Jesus being baptized I uh, know Some Christians uh, Find baptism services a little bit difficult uh, because they, they can tend to be a bit kind of a, uh, a family outing and um, and we collect our membership card for for being a Christian, and and away we go. Um, it can feel a little bit that like that sometimes, I suppose. And and isn't it strange, perhaps, that Jesus of all people should be baptised? The one person who's ever lived that didn't need to be baptised, but he was. The baptism was a baptism of repentance. It was dying to sin, rising to life. But Jesus never sinned. Jesus did not need to be baptized, but he chose to be baptized. He chose to identify with sinners right from the start of his ministry. He identified with you and me, and though he knew he didn't need to, he wanted to. Because he was making a path for us saying now I am with you in this in this life I am God become man, and I'm going to experience everything that you experience. I will know your trials I will know your despairs. I will know your triumphs, too I will know what it's like to be apparently apart from God And I will know what it's like to be absolutely in the presence of him And it's I I guess in in baptism for us we We go under the water covered in sin and emerge covered in the righteousness of God for him He went under the water righteous and came out of the water covered in the sin of man And he bore that sin all the way to the cross If you saw the uh, the FA Cup final yesterday used to be a big event for me it was an all-day event (laughs) when I was a teenager it started around about 10 o'clock with uh, Cup final it's a knockout then there would be sort of meet the teams then there'd be the sports quiz there'd be all this it was a whole day thing I occupied the couch for the day And it wouldn't end until 5.15, and and Wigan scored a goal right at the end, didn't they? And, 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 you know, sometimes it it can feel a bit like the the story of Jesus when, when he says it is finished on the cross. That actually, you know, it all took place at the end. The victory was won at the end. But actually, this fight, this battle, was carried right through his life. He bore our sin throughout his life. When he was saying it is finished, he wasn't just saying it is finished, I have accomplished here. But I have finished. I have borne their sins. I have carried their iniquities to this place and in this place I will conquer it for all time And as Jesus began his journey, his ministry He too was blessed by the Holy Spirit. He was approved by the Father And we, in our journey with God, we, as we become Christians, are in fellowship with Jesus, blessed by his Holy Spirit, approved by God the Father as his lovely children. We share that blessing of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit on our lives. We don't do it alone. So the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness Not for a nice pleasant time of retreat uh, in preparation, but actually into a desert area. And he led him into this place where he wouldn't be alone with God because Satan was there too. Have you ever known a time of wilderness in your life? The 40 days and 40 nights that Jesus experienced are kind of of reminiscent of Israel's time in the wilderness too. They spent 40 years, 40 years struggling, failing, disobeying, going around in circles. Wilderness times can be hard. They can be lonely. They can be mysterious. Why is this happening? Sometimes, sadly, we can get comfortable in the wilderness and choose to stay there see, churches that are in some sort of wilderness, and they want to stay there. Now, we've been in this wilderness for generations, and, and we'll carry on. But actually, the wilderness has a purpose. And for Jesus, the purpose was this encounter with Satan. And only Jesus could give the story. So we know this is Jesus' account of what took place. And I believe it's just edited highlights that we're getting, these three uh, examples of temptation that Jesus experienced. And it wasn't the only time. It wasn't as though Jesus said, oh, I've done with that, because we know that Satan came back waiting for an opportune time. And you can imagine there were many in Jesus' life. When the disciples failed, the disciples fell asleep. When he healed people and they still wouldn't come they walked away and went back to their own life in the wilderness when he would preach and people would go away and not change you can imagine satan saying see your your mission isn't going to work is it they're not interested you're having no impact they're not really following you they just want to see some miracles throughout his life satan was trying to divert Jesus away from accomplishing his mission. He bore that for us. And in the wilderness, it wasn't some sort of conversation, some sort of game that Jesus could could have succumbed to temptation. It wasn't that, oh, Jesus is fine, Jesus could never be tempted, Jesus could never fail. I believe Jesus could have turned. He could have taken that. Otherwise, it wouldn't be temptation. Otherwise, we wouldn't have this story. Jesus battled temptation through his life and conquered it every time. We're told in in Hebrews, just as an encouragement, if you are feeling that temptation is something that you struggle with, and I'm sure you do, because it's a part of our human condition on this planet in hebrews it says um, or is it we have a great high priest who's gone through the heavens jesus the son of god let us hold firmly to the faith we profess for we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but we have one who's been tempted in every way he's been tempted in every way not just the three occasions that we heard about in the passage from Luke. But Jesus was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. His life was one of struggling against sin, struggling against temptation, but overcoming throughout, so that his victory would be complete, that there would be no shortcut, That there would be no failure, that the sinless one remained sinless, even though he occupied this planet, even though he occupied our flesh, even though he walked the way that we walk. He was without sin and conquered it for us. So let's look, shall we, briefly at the temptations that are recorded in the passage. The devil said to Jesus, if you're the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. So Jesus has been in the wilderness for, for 40 days, 40 nights. He is hungry. Satan knows it. Satan doesn't doubt who Jesus is. Jesus doesn't doubt who Jesus is. The baptisms just happened. The Holy Spirit came down in the form of a dove. God spoke. Jesus knows who he is. Satan knows who Jesus is. This is not a if you are. It's as you are. Okay. You're the Son of God. You can do anything. You're hungry? You're hungry. Come on. Why be hungry? You're the Son of God. Let's just, just have some bread. What could be the harm in that? But Jesus is there to focus on his Father. Jesus is there to prepare for his ministry to conquer sin and death. Jesus is able to turn his mind, to turn his body away from physical things to focus on that which is important. And for us, we can have temptations like that too, can't we? Actually, do you you really need to go to church twice? You don't really need to bother with a house group. It's all a bit fanatical, isn't it? Hey, there's something great on the telly tonight. And actually, you probably benefit just as much. No, hey, be comfortable. It's the 21st century. You don't need to do all that kind of stuff. That's all a little, bit, a little bit Old Testament, isn't it? Why don't you stick a video on instead of reading the Bible? They do great videos now, they act it out. It's a lot easier that way. You get more out of it and you get through it so much quicker. Satan appeals to our comfort. And actually in a way that we might find quite appealing. It's not a wrong thing to eat bread. Especially if you're hungry, it's the most obvious thing to do, isn't it? But actually Jesus had a greater purpose Jesus wanted to focus on his father. Jesus wanted nothing to be between him and that and Jesus certainly wasn't going to listen to Satan But you can see how subtle it is, can't you? appealing to our comfort (coughs) appealing not to do a bad thing but just to make life a little bit easier a little bit more comfortable. Hey, you might even be able to listen to God a bit better if you've got a full stomach. You can just imagine it. But our comforts, our riches, our security, our safety rests on Him, not on the things that we can feed ourselves with or occupy ourselves with or comfort ourselves with. Because all those actually fade away and mean nothing, and have a place, but not a place that can be above our relationship with God. Then we have this strange uh, strange account where Jesus is taken up to see the kingdoms of the world. I don't know quite how that would happen. Maybe it was some kind of um, divine PowerPoint presentation, and he, he saw... Greece or Rome and China and maybe the forthcoming British Empire or something like that. But anyway, it's this slideshow of all these great places, all these great kingdoms. And here we see Satan trying to be a little more subtle. The Bible calls him in John the father of lies. Listen to what the devil says to him. He says, I will give you all their authority and splendor for it's been given to me. Lie. And he said to him, I can give it to anyone I want to. Lie. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Lie. (laughs) There's an element there though. Because the Bible also says that Satan has influence over the world. Satan has influence in these kingdoms. But the Bible also tells us that the earth is the Lord. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It wasn't Satan's to give. He had no power to give that. But for Jesus it could have seemed well, actually, maybe this is a, maybe this is an easier way. I Don't need to conquer all these things. I could have all these kingdoms now. Do you think Jesus thought that for a moment? I don't at all. But Satan tries. Satan holds up a carrot. Satan holds up an easier way, a shortcut. Maybe the end result is the right thing. Maybe the end result is the desired thing. There seems to be a a rightness about it. But the method is wrong. The means are never justified by the ends. And Jesus knows that his mission is to die. Jesus knows that his mission is to conquer Satan, to conquer death, to conquer sin by his own death. And so Jesus rejects it again with the Word of God. Then he comes up with an even weirder idea where he takes him to the top of the temple and says, Throw yourself down. And here Satan tries a different approach. So first of all, we've appealed to making things a little more comfortable. Then we've come up with some outright lies, but actually you could kind of see that there might be a good end result. And now Satan tries quoting scripture. So he says, here you are at the top of the temple, throw yourself off, Because the Bible says that the angels will come and rescue you so that you won't hurt your foot. What a great demonstration of who you are that would be. Because I know who you are and you know who you are, but these people, you're just an obscure son of a carpenter. Wouldn't it be great? Everyone could really know who you were in a flash. No need to do all this traipsing around preaching. Just do one great big dramatic act. And then it will all spread like wildfire. We sometimes ask God for things like that, perhaps. Some great sign. Oh, Lord, if you just do this, show me. If if God writes in the sky that he's there, then then I'll believe him. he just do this amazing thing for me, just to, to prove who you are. To give me that thing that I need to move on. But God's not into testing, he's into trusting. Jesus trusted his father. There was no way he needed to test him, no way that he needed to do dramatic acts to prove anything, because Jesus knew who he was. Jesus, in every occasion, used the word of God as his defense. And I suppose you could think of different temptations that we might have those sorts of temptations might not apply to us but it might be i don't know if you're watching eastenders last week ian beal i'm guilty i watched EastEnders last week i do you know it's creeping back into my life eastenders but anyway ian beal he's having another go at building a restaurant and they're refurbishing this old uh, dilapidated site and uh, the woman who was sweeping around found a tin box under some wood and he opened it and it had a load of letters inside and an envelope with loads of 50 pound notes in. And it just so happens that he's run out of cash to pay the builders. And you can see he's flicking these 50 pound notes, thinking, well, nobody's going to know. I need the money. It's almost like, it's almost divine providence. I run out of money. I find the money and no one knows. It might be that. Uh, I don't know, at college or at school, you've got this really difficult essay to do or this math test, and you've got a friend who's really good at it. And they say, I tell you what, why don't we go out tomorrow instead? You can have my paper, just fill in the answers, and we'll go out instead, shall we? Or it might be at work, and uh, your boss is sitting nearby, and somebody calls an awkward customer, and uh, they want to speak to your boss, and he says, Or she says, just tell him I'm out. Little white lie. What do you do? How do you react? Because those are the little temptations of Satan. There's a purpose behind them. The purpose is to take us away from God. To take us away from his word. To take us away from our trust in him. Jesus was tempted in every way, just as we are. And you can imagine there'd be little things like that, apparently harmless things. Jesus in private out in the desert. Nobody'd know if he'd failed. Nobody was there to see, except his father. What harm would it do? Well, it would have ruined everything. It would have destroyed this mission. And it would have destroyed his relationship with his father as it would with us. So we need to recognise temptation for what it is. Not to see it as a a failure on our part if we're tempted. Because temptation is part of our human condition in this world. That Satan wants people to join him in hell. That's what he's after. Satan wanted to ruin Jesus' mission. He's failed. He knows he's failed. he'll take as many people out of heaven as he possibly can and he'll do it with subtle little thoughts that actually do you know this church stuff is a bit heavy you know and really God loves you God is love hey that's all you really need to know maybe it's with scripture Satan's invented all sorts of little religions and he's used chunks of scripture to do it i remember listening to a um an ex jehovah's witness who was talking about how they attract people in and what sort of people come and he said you know most people that are jehovah's witnesses have a church background they're not people that come from being atheists and are persuaded by by the stories of Jehovah's Witness or or Mormonism or anything else. And actually you can quite believe it because it's pretty ridiculous. You can understand, an atheist wouldn't be persuaded by that. So why is it the church people end up going that way? And the reason is, because one, they're often badly taught, and two, they can't be bothered to learn. And you take a little bit of scripture and you twist it, and you can feed hungry ears. And you know, it's great here. We know we have this tradition of strong Bible teaching that, that, that Steve and others have built up over years, and that's great, but that's once a week. If we want to know when we're feeling tempted, what would Jesus do? Well, we won't know the answer to that unless we know who Jesus is and we know His word because jesus with all his authority and power that he surrendered for us to take human form jesus relied on the word in order to counter and disprove and dismiss the temptations of satan and i believe he told this story because it's a lesson for life because we will never be free of temptation until we're in heaven and so we need, to, we need to know what's going on when we experience it. We need to know why it's happening. And we need to know how to counter it. And if we say, well, what would Jesus do? That's not enough. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know what he'd do. If you don't know his word, then we can't counter things that are subtly different, that are contrary to God's word. So all of us, for each of us, it's our responsibility to to follow Jesus in that struggle to come through and win, yes, in the power of his Holy Spirit, yes, with the blessing of God the Father, but also relying on the word of God to inform us about him, to remind us of reality, to remind us of our purpose, and to remain faithful in life. We prayed together the Lord's Prayer earlier. And I don't know if you noticed, but there are things that are kind of resonant in Jesus' experience, where it begins with, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus refused to worship anyone but his Father. Satan asked him to worship him just once, and he'd give him all these kingdoms. God in or Jesus in teaching us that prayer, the first thing we must do in life, in prayer, is focus on our Father. Hallow his name in, in the way that we live. Remain close to him and know our place before him as his children. Give us this day our daily bread. That God is the provider, that our daily bread, our sustenance, comes from him may not feel like it, we may feel I right, no it doesn't, i go to work and i I'll get paid and i go and buy things in Tesco's. But it's God who's our provider because God gives us what we have. All the good things that we have come from him. So when we see the attraction of comforts that come from other places, their purpose is to take us away from him. May our bread come from God our Father. And Jesus also taught us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And God can, God will, God the Father can deliver us from evil because he has gone before us, experienced all that we have, been tempted in every way and won. He never sinned. Unlike us, he never failed. But he did that so that our failures could be forgiven. That we could be restored. If you're struggling with temptation and you're failing, know that his Holy Spirit in you and his sacrifice on the cross for you has paid the price for your wrongs and you can live a new life from today. The story of our lives can change from now on. We can face temptation in the way that Jesus did depending on our Father, knowing the word of god and recognizing the author of our temptation the purpose of it that we're in a battle it's not just just accidental things that come upon us in life but actually you and i when we sign up for jesus we enter a battle that's where we are and the victory's been won so we need to live it too let's just pray for a moment shall we Heavenly Father, you know that we struggle with temptations. And for each one of us, we have different areas of vulnerability. And Lord, I pray that you will strengthen us. Lord, that you will help us to recognize temptation when it comes. Lord, that you will give us the strength to resist the devil, for he will flee. He has no power, no authority over us. Lord, may we make your purposes ours where we keep our eyes fixed on your kingdom. May we be faithful readers and studiers of your word and prayers. Lord, may we draw close to you and make you our priority, our goal, our all in life. Thank you, Lord. Amen.